It's all the files of the whole park. It tells you everything. Sir, he's uploading the virus. Eagle one, the package is being delivered. Since the war on terror kicked off, the military and spy industrial complex boomed. That also included a growth in the literal number of spies from agencies like the NSA and CIA, all serving then entering the private sector. Since then, we've seen how things like corporate espionage and the techniques multi-billion dollar entities deploy in their interests have seriously taken off from the trickle-down of said veterans. Kroll is now the best-known firm in an industry that pays agents over $1,000 a day and is globally worth more than a billion dollars a year. Now, we're in a situation where everybody uses techniques like social media monitoring to glean intel into their own businesses. Recently, in the case of Amazon, that means carrying out a fairly professional surveillance op on their own workers. Motherboard's Lauren Gurley has the story. I'm Ben Maku, and this is Cyber. So Lauren, you're back on the show to talk about another, another incident of a company not being so, so amazing, uh, quite creepy to some of its workers. Yeah. Hi, thanks for having me back on. Um, I, I, we did discover uh, that Amazon has been spying on its gig workers in a pretty shocking, um, very uh, hyper, uh, you know, big brother sort of way um, that we always knew probably was happening, but to see the details of it um, was was pretty alarming and uh, shed some important, interesting sort of light on how this takes place. Okay, so what so what happened exactly? Amazon yeah. Amazon Flex workers had Facebook groups. Yeah, Amazon Flex drivers, like most gig workers, are like a very disjointed workforce. Like they're spread across different cities. There's not like really a common work setting where they can connect and complain or sort of you know joke around or connect with each other about anything positive or negative. So, like many other gig workers, they have dozens, I believe, at least forty-three different Facebook groups in the United States. They're all private, meaning that you have to request to um, join them and they basically discuss their day-to-day stuff so a lot of it is is very just like minutia about their days but some of it you know turns a little bit more critical of the company if that if you know they're having trouble with their working conditions um that's sort of a place the only place that they really have to voice those concerns and was it a case of that amazon thought that they were violating some sort of some sort of worker confidentiality, and that was the pretext in which they were spying on this? Or is this just a straight up spy on their workers and, and I, I guess, essentially maybe even union bust or stop them from demanding better working conditions? Yeah. Um, I mean, this was like something that they, they, they wanted to, I mean, the pretense of it was that they wanted to track any problems that were drivers, drivers were having in order to be able to solve them or address them. Um, kind of in a creepy way by sort of hiding out in these groups or planting moles in these groups. The other side of it is that they were also, you know, um, and they have this team of uh, of corporate employees that they call the Advocacy Operations Social Listening Team that they have making reports and flagging different types of posts. They call it capturing posts. Um, 
and categorizing them in terms of criticism, positive comments, you know, anything related to potential protests or strikes. They're then categorized. Sometimes they're investigated or flagged um, for an investigation. And then it looks like at least at one point on a weekly basis, they were compiling all this information into a report and sending it back to uh, corporate employees. Um, But it was like a constant system. There's a live tool that they could search the types of posts drivers were making. um, And it got hyper specific, um, like, you know, the type of complaint, whether it was about uh, bots on the system or problems with, um, you know, like workers not being able to get orders quick enough, um, all different sorts of issues, like very neatly um, compiled into this very uh, uh, streamlined report that they produce every single week, seems. Um, And they've been doing this for years. So this is just, this is sort of this this very professional spying job that the company did on its own workers. Because it's like this, you know, you see this in this sort of corporate espionage game where there's social media monitoring governments do as well but in this case it's it it was deployed against its own workers right um which is another interesting part of this um i mean if they're so so these are amazon flex drivers they're not they're like uber lyft drivers right they're not technically employees of amazon they're contractors they uh are paying they're using their own cars they're paying for their own gas uh, they do not receive any sort of wages or, sorry, benefits or like healthcare or overtime pay or sick leave or none of that. Um, and so, you know, if this is how that they're treating these contractors, um, it makes you wonder because they're so concerned and there's been so much, um, so much to come out about how they're extremely worried about their warehouse workers unionizing and their delivery drivers who are also contractors, um, sort of banding together to demand better working conditions. It makes you wonder how they're surveilling those types of workers, their own workers, like you mentioned. Um, And, you know, I think the fact that these reports are so detailed could shed some light on that if, 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 um, you know, there are any more, um, if, if more of this is to come out, I, I have a feeling it might look sort of similar. So you gather up all this information and were you were you leaked documentation on this on what they had done? Yeah, so it actually came about in like one of the, the strangest, most bizarre ways I've ever gotten a tip. But I got a tip from someone who said that, uh, and this is also another interesting story. Like the day before, an article came out in Bloomberg about um, Amazon flex drivers putting their phones up in trees. Um, in order to to capture to like uh, accept be able to accept orders before other workers could because there's such a high demand. Um, it's a crazy story. You should read it. But uh, so <laughs> <laughs> this person came to me and was like, "Yeah, my friend and I were reading that article. We thought it was crazy. We decided to do some research on Amazon Flex drivers, and we came across this website." called sharkandink.com that was um, had all of these open and sharkandink.com used to be an Indian talent agency or entertainment company's website. But for some reason, 
um, the, the tool or sorry, the website, um, was like, had all of these links to, um, different documents, um, showing the reports and like directories of Amazon employees and a social media monitoring list that they were using. And so it was this bizarre thing and we don't exactly know why that happened, but, um, yeah, this, this, this domain, um, was exposing all of these Amazon documents. And the reason why that we, we knew that it was Amazon and not just some fake thing was that a lot of the documents and reports and the tool were linking back to internal Amazon websites. We cross-listed like all of the, the employee profiles with their LinkedIn profiles. Um, and at that point, we were pretty sure it was legitimate, and Amazon then admitted that it was a, a legitimate um, website that they had, although they said that it was, like, sort of a mistake and against their uh, their values. Suffice it to say, you did a complete, a complete job exposing how this was a professional, a professional system deployed by Amazon to spy on its own workers. <laughs> You left, right. that, you, left, you left no, you left no, 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 uh, no doubt. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. And then, and then uh, the next day they removed it and they said that they're not doing it anymore, um, which, you know, who, I, I guess maybe that's true. It's, it's impossible to know, um, especially if they already have these spying, if they're already spying on probably all of their different types of workers. It's, it's just, um, I was glad to hear that, but I, I don't necessarily have trust in that. I mean, that was just going to ask you is that were you necessarily surprised? You're someone that that covers a lot of labor movements in tech and you've you've blown up a lot of spots, a lot of companies. Was this something that actually surprised you that Amazon was doing this? Um, no, not at all. In fact, like. The social media has become such like a powerful tool for gig workers and other types of workers that are extremely like disjointed um across like spread across the country to organize that like everyone is always talking about the fact that they're probably being spied on not just at amazon but at all different sorts of um tech companies like the blue collar workers um and so this is definitely something that i had um heard of a lot and and when I spoke to workers who are in groups who are being spied on some of them were like we've always suspected this other you know admins of these groups were like yeah I let in the corporate employees I already knew this like <laughs> um so so I, I don't think it was incredibly shocking though it is it is pretty wild to like see what it actually looks like it is. I mean, this is something I, I cover a lot of, a lot of like militant groups, but also have been covering some of the surveillance tech technologies that have proliferated in the last couple of years. And you see that you're starting to see this, this culture of professional spy technologies and, and best practices being deployed against, you know, Amazon flex workers by major <laughs> corporations that have lots of money. You know what I mean? It's, it's kind of insane. It's like this, like, the war on terror years are finally bleeding into, into the ways in which our, our corporations are even dealing with espionage on their own workers. On their own, like incredibly like vulnerable workers who are, you know, making minimum wage or whatever. Yeah, I don't it's it's pretty it's pretty crazy. Um I think that uh 
I guess, yeah, I guess <laughs> in the end, I'm not that surprised. Um, but but I'm but I am interested in what else that what else they're doing now. Okay, what were the what was the 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 reception of all this from the Amazon worker themselves? Oh yeah, um, the reception was basically that they knew this was happening. No big surprise. They had already let in corporate employees. Some people had already let in corporate employees. Um, others were extremely concerned. Um, they were like, "This is the only place that we have to discuss." our issues. And so um, the fact that Amazon is spying on us and not really resolving any of our issues, like we have a lot of complaints about our working conditions, and they're wasting all of these resources, like hiring an entire team devoted to spying on us um, is, is pretty upsetting. Um, it's also upsetting that if they, and I don't think Amazon flex drivers have ever like revolted or gone on strike in mass, but if they ever wanted to, the fact that they can't use these groups that which are private um, is also upsetting to them. To other people, it's not so upsetting. It's like you shouldn't be using Facebook to organize like a, a, a strike or a protest um, that is supposed to be secret. Like you should be using, you know, something more encrypted. Um, so, so I think that there was a whole range of, of responses. Um, some people were like, good, I want them to know what my complaints are because like, otherwise I have no way of like communicating to Amazon. Really no one cares. I'm just like a, a gig worker. I don't have that. Like I don't have a manager or something like that, that I can complain to. Um, but I think the general consensus was like a sense of fear um, too. Well, I mean, the other thing too is where can you kind of freely com complain about your your bosses and your your place of work? Like, this is something that's common to anyone who works anywhere. I think this is something that's been going on for a long time. And why why can't you just complain about your work with a bunch of other people that you work with? This is something right. that people do all the time. Right. Except now you're finding companies that are able to use this against you. And I think that that's. I mean, I remember back in the day, I worked for. A grocery store in Canada. I can't disclose, but I was part of some sort of some sort of early Facebook group where people were just talking shit about it and just being like, "Oh, remember when this happened? This happened." And remember they they made a list of people who were on it, and they were like, "No hire back list, like never wow. be hired again." Yeah, and it's sort of like this is back in like two thousand six, two thousand seven. So I can only imagine what it would be like, you know, now. The <laughs> of that entire process, you know. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's also true now that as of this year, uh, it's legal for companies to retaliate against you for organizing on Slack and email and on company Slack and company email. So, I mean, I, I guess I feel safe on those things. But um, yeah, I, I guess I guess uh, a lot of people shouldn't take that at, for granted necessarily um, that no one is spying on them. Yeah, and it does it does beg the question, you know, like how much how much are you being spied on by your own company, everybody, <laughs> in, in twenty twenty, especially especially as especially as we're all online right now, right? You don't even have the the you don't even have the lunchroom to talk shit in, right? <laughs> right. Because the lunchroom yeah. is Slack and it's administered by the company that you work for. Right. Right. Yeah. Um... Back on the the Amazon thing, one other thing I wanted to mention was that like the day before uh, we wrote this story, or maybe this, I think it was the same day actually. Amazon had like 
posted on um, a job listing for two like security people who could um, uh, sort of keep an eye on sensitive and confidential topics, specifically labor organizing threats against Amazon. Um, and Lorenzo wrote about it. And then um, immediate, and, and that sort of, sort of blew up. And then immediately afterwards, they removed the posting and said it was a mistake, um, which sort of seems to be their, their tactic. Um, like with us as well, they were like, oh, that, that's against our values. That was just one group. We didn't know that was happening. Um, so it's very easy for like companies or PR teams to sort of uh, make people um, feel like, uh, you know, they weren't actually doing that or it was a mistake, um, even though it's clearly going on everywhere. I mean, I think there's no, there is no secret that Jeff Bezos has very little interest in his companies being unionized. Right. No. Yeah. Um, definitely. Uh, both Whole Foods and Amazon workers have been um, subject to a lot of, uh, you know, anti-union, like blatant anti-union videos and um, sort of more subtle threats um, from their managers and things like that. And, you know, seeing all people get fired who organize these types of things, like it's definitely there's definitely like uh, reason for people to be um, to be afraid of those things of being retaliated against. Well, he's on course to be the first, first the, the planet's first trillionaire. <laughs> Is that true? Wow! Apparently, he's I mean, the, yeah, he's the on he's course. The, yeah, he's on course. He gonna, yeah. <laughs> during the pandemic, I don't know. I forget. Yeah, it's not I, like it's three hundred trillion, or I don't know. He's increased his his profits since the pandemic. Yeah, oh, by a lot, yeah. yeah. Yeah, by a lot. So anyway, well, Lauren, thank you for being on the show. Yeah, thank you so much. And this probably, again, this will not be the last time I talk to you about somebody. <laughs> okay, But you, you, Sounds you, good. you busted something up again. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank right. you for having me again. Okay, bye. Bye. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Jason, welcome back. It's good to be back. It's been a minute. It's been a very long time. It's been a very long time. Where have you been? Where have you been living? You've left us. Yeah, I've been uh, gallivanting around the eastern seaboard, but in a responsible way. Masking, washing hands. Bought a used car and uh, have been staying at an Airbnb in another city for a month. 
So I'm not on my usual beautiful uh, microphone. I'm on a headset. I hope uh, I hope you guys can forgive me, but I think it should sound okay. Hopefully, uh, you, sound, and I've been, you sound decent. I've been working as normal, so other people, people on staff, probably haven't noticed any difference because I have not seen any of you for months. I know. I believe I saw you in June or in July, and that had been the first time I'd seen anybody I worked with in ages. And it's still, I still find it weird to not ever have that face-to-face kind of conversation with someone. Yeah. I mean, I've gotten really used to it, but it's very, it'd be nice to see everyone. You're all now avatars on the internet. Exactly. Exactly. All right. So let's get into this. One of them is, let's just start with yours. Let's start with your little scoop, your little scoopy scoop. How's that? Yeah, I so, love this story. I just, I don't, I didn't actually expect it to take off, but like a lot of people are reading it and seem, people seemingly like it. I mean, it's really weird. It's very weird. Like I remember hearing about this, the Chinese seeds that were mailed to people randomly. And I was like, what is this? Like, and then it kind of disappeared on me into my, uh, into the ether of my mind. And then I saw this story that you published today and it's, I mean, it's one of those things. It's, an, it's a good thing to keep on top of it because you get interesting stuff. So tell us about it. Yeah. So at the end of July, there was this story that went very viral in which people all over the country started getting these Chinese mystery seeds is what people have been calling them. But I mm-hmm. guess the USDA has been calling them unsolicited seeds from China. <laughs> and basically like in the mail, people would, you know, open their mailbox and there'd be a padded envelope in there and it'd have a Chinese return address. And then it would say on it, like there's a customs form or whatever, and it would say jewelry or something like this. And then they opened it up and there was just like seeds, like seeds that you would plant. And so thousands of people got these seeds and it was like a big deal. Like people were very concerned about this. Uh, because just like thousands of people all over the country got them within like a few day period between like July 25th and July 30th or so. And it was really weird. It was really weird. It it was very bizarre. And I became very obsessed with this just because I was like, what the fuck are these seeds? Like, where are they coming from? And I, I felt like the seeds were very poorly explained to me. Like eventually people said it was a brushing scam, which is this type of scam where an online seller sends a very cheap uh item to someone as a gift and then they take their um like login details and leave a review from a quote verified buyer because they've nominally gotten something in the mail from this vendor and then they use that to like juice their amazon ratings basically so this is like the working theory of what happened here but it still hasn't like there still hasn't been an explanation of like what company did this or like where it came from or what, why this happened. So I filed Freedom of Information Act requests with all 50 state departments of agriculture because I was just like, I got to know more here. So uh, I basically copy pasted the same request to 50 different agencies and waited a little while. And suddenly, like I started getting all these responses back within the last two weeks or so. And what I found was like really horrifying um, in a way I didn't expect it to be, which is when, yeah. So like when this happened, the USDA, like the U S department of agriculture was like, 
do not plant these seeds. No matter what you do, don't plant the seeds. Like they could be poisonous. They could be invasive species. We don't know what they are. So just like, just like call us, we'll pick them up. We'll destroy them safely. Like don't plant them. Right. Uh, yeah. And so all of these state departments of agriculture got like hundreds or thousands of calls, uh, people from people being like, yo, I got the seeds and like, I planted them. Like I, I wanted to plant wow. them. So I planted but them. like, did they, did they, <laughs> did like, they say when, like, like, did they say like where and when they did this and kind of kept, kept an eye on it? As like an so experiment them, or no. So some people definitely got the seeds in the mail, uh, sort of before this went viral and they were like, Oh, seeds in the mail. Like I'm just going to plant them. And this was before they got like a specific warning That's from the insane. government not to plant them. So it's kind of people just being like, Oh, well, like I got seeds, like I'm gonna plant them and see what grows. But then other people did get the warning and still planted the seeds. Um, so that's concerning. Um, I got documents back from just off the top of my head. It was like North Carolina, Delaware, Michigan, New Mexico, Utah, Wyoming, and a couple others. And the thing that like really threw me was like the scale of this, because like when this happened, there was no numbers really. People were just like, yeah, a lot of people got mystery seeds in the mail and it's concerning. But what became clear is like, Thousands of people in every single state got these seeds all within a few days of each other. And it was just like mass chaos. Like no one knew what to do. Like people started calling, uh, you know, the USDA and their state departments of agriculture being like, I planted these and like stuff grew and I don't know what to do with them. Or like I planted these and something started growing. So I lit it on fire and like killed it, which is like, I don't know, I guess that's okay. But that's just like a little extreme. But also, like, there were, like, if, you, if you're going to get it, if you're going to get these seeds, not know what they are, and then plant them, like, what, like, what good of this do you think will come from it? Like, yeah, I mean, and then there were other like, people you like, them to burn I, them I planted in fear? these like, seeds. <laughs> other people were like, I planted these seeds, a cucumber grew, and then I ate the cucumber. And it's like, okay, like, I guess, whatever. Um, and then, like, the most alarming ones were just the comments that were written to, uh, like in the online forms, there were so many comments that were like, can't remember if I ordered seeds, don't know how to check seeds showed up in the mail. I think they have COVID. And it's just like, wow, this is just like a, a very interesting view into like the American psyche. There was also uh, an email thread back and forth between an entomologist and a botanist in uh, New Hampshire of people like they basically got a call like a crazed call from someone who said that they had eaten the seeds and the packaging that it went with what and what? they were just like why did like the email they're just like why did these people do this like what are we going to do now like this is just chaos uh there were also emails from cops to like the usda being like we're getting 911 calls about uh about these seeds because people are getting them and we don't know what to do with them so like we're calling you because we don't know what to do. And so it's like, I don't know if I got the seeds in the mail, I would have thrown them in the trash and like never thought about them again. But people were either like extremely panicked or just like extremely like, I'm going to plant this and like figure out what's happening here. So this is all sort of based on my perusal through maybe like 2000 pages of documents. Uh, you know, to be clear, I scrolled through them very quickly, but it's like, 
there were um, voicemails from people who were freaked out in New Mexico. There were like photos of them, of the seeds, which were all different types of seeds. Some of them came from Uzbekistan. Some of them came from China. Some of them came from, uh, I think, like South Korea. Like it's just a very weird thing. So I don't know. I tried to learn as much as I could about the seeds. And this is what I learned. And what I learned was just like, to be honest, scary because it seems like America is not ready for any sort of psyop or crisis, uh, which might explain like why we're doing so poorly with coronavirus. But I mean, it might just, just be like, thought. I mean, it, it's also just maybe yet another example about how the country is just like exceptionally paranoid, but also so suspicious. And then we'll translate this into us being manipulated by foreign power. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, to me, this has like, this has like a, this has like a QAnon vibe to it in such a way that I think, you know, it's, it's obvious to me why this has become such a weird phenomenon. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Anyways, that's my spiel about the, the seeds. Good story. Really yeah. good story. Now on to something else that, uh, a movie I recently thought of because I, I think that especially in today's day and age of, of uh, mass protests confronting police powers, et cetera. There's a California bill that would mandate crime prediction algorithms. And I think this is pretty wild. Yeah, I would say that this is a bad thing. Um, yes. Because I think the bail system needs reform. Like that much is obvious. And I think... Like, I can't really tell. It's it's called Proposition 25, and it's a ballot measure in November. And it's basically an attempt to abolish cash bail so that people can nominally, like, get out of uh, jail if they're arrested without having to front tons of money. But the thing that they're replacing it with is this crime prediction algorithm, which is just horrifying. And And the thinking here being that, like, so like minority report. Yeah. And they'll like run, uh, you know, a defendant's data through an algorithm and determine the computer will determine whether they're a risk for flight or redefend, uh, reoffending and will then determine whether they have to stay in jail and await trial or whether they can be released uh, on bail. And this is like a really bad thing because everything we know about algorithms suggests that they are racially biased. They are often just like poorly coded. Yeah. And they're also often like black boxes. So like the technology, like who is developing the algorithm? What things are they considering? Like, how are they, how is this going to be implemented? And uh, yeah, it's like a really bad thing. There's, um, there are already a couple like states that have judges who can uh, consult with an algorithm on whether someone is likely to, you know, do more crime, I guess. And the issue here is that it kind of uniformly, uh, is biased against black people, which is terrible. Shocker. And, and, and like shocker. A lot of these, a lot of these algorithms do this, like you said. Right. There's this algorithm called uh, compass and it has like 137 part questionnaire, uh, that it uses and like the things that it takes into consideration or whether they have like a low wage job or whether they have any friends or family who have been arrested or whether they, uh, you know, they ask them some philosophical questions as well. And it's just like, this is not what we should be replacing cash bail with. Like I, I'm not an expert on this subject of bail, 
But I think that replacing it with an algorithm that is a predictive algorithm that is a black box that is definitely going to be biased in some way is not the answer. Well, I mean, it's quite, it's, it's, it's interesting because last week we did this whole episode on Jordan's great story about how the Australian government used an algorithm to determine whether or not people owed more money to the government and how it was so flawed and it was broken. But it also just sort of represented this, this increasing acceptance by, by governments, world governments and big, you know, like governments like the, like the Australian government. That's a, that's a huge economic power and they're trusting in an algorithm that ultimately was flawed and cause problems for its own citizens. And you look at something like this and it's, you know, are, are they really, are these things even useful or are they just going to create more problems that a human operator could have stopped? Because it's just in the name of efficiency? Like, and then ultimately it's going to fail. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the thing that concerns me is that it's a ballot measure, which means the people are going to vote on it. And I think probably the way that it's framed, it's like, do you want to replace this really bad system with something that sounds more progressive? And California is a very progressive state. Like, I, I suspect that this will probably pass. And so the uh, the implementation of it is very important here. And like, who knows uh, how it will go yeah. down. But I, I don't think it's a good thing. It's not a good thing. Uh, speaking of other bad things, it's just more d- indicative of the times we're in. Edward, who has been doing some amazing labor reporting for us and also appeared on a podcast with Edward Snowden, low-key, low-key flex for him. Uh, He wrote about this story that Apple lost the most money in history in one day and still obviously maintained its hundreds of millions or billions of worth. Trillions. 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 It's It's two two trillions. Two trillion dollars. It, It was the most... It was at one point, at least, the the most powerful or not the most valuable con- co- company in the world. I don't know if it still is. It might have been surpassed again, but still, it lost the most money in history in a day, and it's still this trillion dollar machine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's not much more to say than that. It's like these companies. I mean, Apple is the one that comes to mind because it's the biggest company in the world, but similar with Amazon and Facebook and all these and Google even like during the pandemic the these monopolies have become so much more powerful because we have been forced to rely on their services more and more and like they can have a terrible quarter where they don't sell anything but they're so big that it's like it just is it, it they maintain their largesse and they maintain their power and they maintain their uh gigantic uh market control so i mean i don't know what there is to say other than uh no company should be worth two trillion dollars in my opinion it's like we should tax apple like yeah absolutely i mean isn't bezos on he's in he's in line to become the first trillionaire uh i think he is yes he's not yet but he's in line to, to become yeah and I think, uh, yeah, it's just like, what are these companies doing with their money? Like, some of them are doing some social outreach, but we're seeing companies like Amazon, which just makes so much money, uh, like using hiring up, you know, private investigators to investigate its employees unionizing and fighting for a better wage and, and that sort of thing. And it's like they're using their wealth and their money to further entrench that and to further uh just like 
hold the market power that they have, which is, I guess, the uh, that's how capitalism goes. But I think it is not exact. It's not a good. It's not a good way. It's just not good. No, I don't to say that. It's not good. Yeah, it's not good. And also, like, didn't we just have like a congressional hearing about how there's monopolies going on in Silicon Valley, like not a month ago? Mm-hmm. And it was a shit show. It was a shit show. Nothing happened. <laughs> Nothing happened. Yeah. It, it like it's sort of status quo. You know, I mean, you saw that apparently Microsoft. The reason that it was going to purchase TikTok was a, it had no real social media platform already, but b. All the other big Silicon Valley players who would have normally done that type of deal had to stay away from it in order to sort of escape this, this, this prying eye of you're a monopoly. So the only reason that Microsoft was able to make a bid on it was because, you know, Facebook, uh, Amazon, the usual players are just not able to because they're under so much, so much scrutiny right now. Right. And it's really funny because Microsoft is, you know, the company that was famously partially broken up during a big antitrust hearing in the exactly. 90s. And it's like Microsoft is still one of the top five biggest corporations in the world. Like Microsoft, the entire not, world. Microsoft was not invited to that antitrust hearing. Like they weren't no. a part of it. It's like they're still huge. They're absolutely gigantic. And uh, it's like I don't know. I think we've talked a little bit about TikTok on the podcast, or I, I know that you have talked extensively about it. But I think I've talked about it a bit. And it's like it's not a good outcome to have. TikTok go under another massive tech company. It's like no, there are potentially issues with the Chinese company owning TikTok, uh, at, of which we've discussed at length. Um, I think a lot of them are overblown, but I think also it's like it is interesting and good to have a variety of different companies of varying sizes own the technology that is used in your country. Like it's interesting and useful for a foreign power to have a a company that can compete in the United States, in my opinion, at least. I yeah, mean, I, I think I it's like it, we're, we're part of a global community and it's like not every single technology should be owned by American companies all the time. I don't think that that's like a good thing for the work, the world. Um, but then, no, but I think, I think this is the first time that a, a Chinese company has a social media app that has become so popular within the U.S. Right. It's sort of it's sort of actually become a competitor, right? Like I think before you had Facebook, Twitter. These things are all developed here and then were made here and were popularized here, then exported around the world. And I think now you got TikTok coming in and TikTok. I mean, it's it's wildly popular. It's become the new it it social media app. I'm not on it yet, but uh, I don't think I will. I think I, 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 I drew, I've drawn a line, but <laughs> it's clearly yeah. an app that a lot of people, and a lot of people have been using it for really fantastic social movements, right? It's been critical in the BLM movement. Yeah, no, I mean, TikTok is a great app. I think uh, there's like concern over who owns it. And I think it'd be nice if an American company owned it. Like it, it wouldn't be that bad, but I think it's not a good outcome for like Microsoft or Cisco or some gigantic, like Walmart owning TikTok is not like a good outcome here. Um, and no. I'm not sure like what's going to happen next, but uh, I think- Yeah, frankly, frankly, Walmart owning it actually, it kind of made me, I was like, wow, that is, because hmm. Walmart already is this massive, I mean, it's, it's like almost critical infrastructure out of the United States. You're going to add in yeah. like this social media algorithmic data to its 
it's like empire is, you know. Yeah. Anyways, uh, tech companies are too big. <laughs> yeah, I think that we can all agree on. <laughs> yeah. It's good to be back, Ben. Thank you for it's having good. me. It's good to have you back. I missed your voice. I missed the, I missed the vibe. We've been yeah. having Lorenzo, and Lorenzo, you know how he is. He's he, just a... He's, yeah. Just a meanie. He's so happy that uh, Messi's staying, though, huh? Against know, his will. He, he and I talked a lot. I talked a lot of shit about it. He's like, he thinks it's a, he thinks it's a big victory. And I'm like, so you can, he can walk for free. Okay. Nice. Take your time. Can't say I'm not, I'm not unhappy to see, uh, to see that, t- that, that club crumble anyway. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, good, All right. good chatting. Farewell. Farewell. We'll do this Bye. again sometime. Goodbye. Yep. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.